Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So if you will, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. The scripture says in the New Living Translation this morning, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues and fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them this ability. As the Spirit gave them this ability. The point that we want to extract from this is that they were all in one place. And we're going to define that place according to the customs and the culture and the celebration of the feast. To look at the day of Pentecost in a different light than maybe you've used to seeing it. Because traditional Pentecostalism and even all religions have this notion that this experience happened in an upper room someplace separate from the public eye. Acts chapter 1, the writer begins to inscribe the instructions that Jesus gave them for 40 days and 40 nights to wait in Jerusalem. It describes the setting, but then in Acts chapter 2, when you understand the culture and the custom, then you begin to go into this one place where they were gathered together. And it never said it was an upper room that they were gathered together in in this second chapter. It says they were in one place. We're going to look at the culture. We're going to understand the customs and understand what was actually happening on that day and why they were there. Why they were there. The title for today is The Where Answers the Why. The Where Answers the Why. When you know where God works, then you understand why He does. When you can understand where God does what He does, then you can get a hint to why He does what He does. No matter where you're at in your life, wherever God meets you, is an indication to the reason why He wants to use you. Have you ever been saved and everyone found out about it? Have you ever been saved in an environment where you went back home and everyone was shocked at the change in your life, radical changes? Has anybody ever had a radical transformation in their life where everyone began to question it and wonder why and how? And where God saves you is an indication to why he saved you. God just doesn't want to save you. He wants to save your entire family and friends and people that you know. How many of you are going to let God take the limits off of your life? I want God to take the limits off my life. So, Father, let's pray a prayer one more time. Why don't you make the declaration right now and speak it over this atmosphere? You hold the key to this service. Just tell God, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just release the atmosphere. God, let the word of God come in its purest form with simplicity and love. And we ask you for wisdom. God, give us the wisdom to convey and the understanding to receive. And we thank you for that now. And bless every family, bless every marriage, bless all children, bless every young adult, every single individual. 
today, right now, in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Give God a hand clap one more time and tell him thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And you can be seated. Thank you, Jesus. It is a strong indication reading this scripture of what God's plans are really for us. Reading the Bible is not a ritual. It's not a, it's not a scheduled moment for you to just gain knowledge per se. It is a teacher. It is a map. It's the pilgrim compass. It is the shepherd's staff. It is so much more when you read it and you get indications of what your life should be and why God does what he does. To understand why God did what he did on the day of Pentecost, you have to understand the feasts. The feasts that the Israelites had were seven festivals and their worship and honoring God and remembering where God brought them from. And the first four are an indication beginning from the deliverance, an indication of God's freedom in their life to remember that God is a deliverer. The first of that is called Passover. The first feast of the celebrations that they have is Passover. And Passover was to commemorate how God brought Israel out of Egypt. It was to help them remember that they were set free by the blood of the Lamb. It was there to remind them that God, no matter where they're at, He is able to deliver. And they celebrated that moment. And then there was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then there was the weeks that led up to, between that time, that up, led up to Pentecost. That was at least 50 days. But in that time frame of weeks, that time frame that they stayed there waiting for God to answer through Moses, the time that Moses, when he entered up into the, ascended up into the mountaintop to worship and to seek God, that they waited to hear from God. When Moses came down to release the word of the Lord and the instruction and the commandments that had been given, that was on the day of Pentecost. And from that time, they kept this tradition. But that day that God visited his people through Moses and gave instruction, all the nation of Israel was there. So as a reminder to the nation of Israel, every year they would go back to Jerusalem, to the temple. And all the nations would gather together that were Jewish from different parts of the world, would come, and they would all travel, and they would come to the temple. And in that temple there were times of prayer, there were different time slots. We know about the watches and the different hours of prayer. And during that time of prayer, they would leave from where they were at, and then they would go into the temple. Everyone had a place, and everyone was traveling, but there at the time of prayer, 
everyone would congregate. So when you read and you understand that there were people in the temple that day worshiping, this is where the disciples were as well. Now, I believe they did continue to pray, probably in an upper room someplace, of course. But when they're, during the time of prayer, they went down to the temple where everyone was. And within that temple, of course, they didn't have air conditioning. Windows were open. Everyone could look in, just to kind of give you an idea of what it was like. And whoever was there would be focused on God. And this is why they traveled. They came to where the temple was to remind them to celebrate. And on that Pentecost, the Spirit of God moved during that prayer moment, that prayer hour of prayer. And when God's Spirit hit that congregation, I believe possibly there were others other than the disciples that were touched because God visits hungry hearts. 120 of them, to be accurate. Now, if you can imagine having church and then just a select group of people had this experience where all of a sudden they're praying and now they're starting to speak in an unknown tongue and worshiping God and magnifying his name is what the scripture says. And then the other nations that were there that had come for the celebration were hearing their own dialect come from them. And they began to get kind of confused, worried, what does all this mean? And then they jumped to the, so they jumped and accused them of being drunk. They accused them of being crazy. And, and that's where God moved on Peter to stand in the gap and tell them this is what you think it is, right? But what's, you, what's, what's, really, what's really cool and really powerful to think about in this moment is the fact that when God was fixing to establish his church or the ecclesia of God, the called out ones, or, or start his family and pour his spirit out, he did not do it in a private room, but he did it in an area where everyone could see. He did it in the open where people would be able to look whether they were curious or whether they would judge, it didn't matter. They were exposed and they were experiencing God and those that were experiencing God apparently did not care. Have you ever been so desperate enough where you didn't matter who was sitting next to you or who was around you where you know you needed something from God and, and you, didn't, didn't, you didn't care if somebody thought you were strange, but when you need something, you need something. When you need a touch, you got to have a touch. And this is what hunger does. Hunger will drive you to a place of intimacy with God despite what people think and say. Despite what people are doing. Despite who you had an argument with, right? It's like the old couple that came to church at one time and they 
when they came in, they were arguing in the car, and they argued all the way to the church, and now they're sitting in the front row, and the husband who was arguing with the wife, he was standing up, he was worshiping God, he was clapping his hands, he was amening the preacher, and the wife said, you hypocrite. He looked at her and said, I'm mad at you, not Jesus. <laughs> Jesus ain't done nobody any wrong. God's been good to me. I'm not mad at God. He gave his life for me. He forgave me, right? So, you know, when you come to church, forgive somebody and let them go, but keep on worshiping and stay focused. You're not here for anybody else. You are here to worship God. You can't look and see what everyone else is doing. Thank God you're all here. I thank God for that. We had a great service this morning as well, packed house. It was great. People are still traveling. Wonderful. Thank you for watching online. We're glad you're even online with us. But you know you didn't come online to see me or not necessarily hear me, but what God has to say through me. If there be a message, if there be a word, but it's not done in private. This is for everyone to see. Anyone can watch online. Anyone can come in through these doors. Anybody can step into what we're doing. We're not doing it in private. We're trying to get it out there in the public and with the people. And there are different ways of expression. There are different things that we would do here in this church than any place else. There'll be times if God moves, then we're going to move with God, right? This past Wednesday, it was God that moved into this service on a Wednesday night, and many people were delivered that Wednesday night. If you were here, it's a powerful moment. And there were people that got delivered from things in their life, and there was a different expression of the Spirit, but it wasn't done privately. It's online for somebody to watch. When you know the where, you'll understand the why. The reason why God poured His Spirit out, gave birth, and established the institution of the family, I believe, is what the end goal really is. I don't think God just wants a people. God wants a family. It's because he did it in a place so he can win the world. Because if the world doesn't see what happens in this moment, they may never have the opportunity. The first point and the only point I want to give you is this. God wants the world to see and know about your experience. God wants the world to know about your experience. This experience with God, and that's what we call it, because relationship is about experience. When you meet somebody, you are there to experience them in language, conversation. That's connecting sometimes intellect to intellect. You want to experience their intellectual being. You want to share emotion. It's an emotional relationship, and then you want to be physical if you get married, right? That's, I think, the end goal for most guys. But the thing is that before you get to know somebody, you have to get to experience them, and most of that happens through relationship of speaking and talking. Without an experience, there's nothing to invest in. Well, the same goes for God. God is not a religious figure that's in the back of our minds, or someone that can't you know, hear what we're saying and someone that we can't talk to because he 
just an idol. God is real. God is alive. Jesus is alive. There are people here to validate that and know that, you know, the fact is you wouldn't be here if you thought he was dead. You're here because you know he's alive. And how do you know he's alive? By faith and experience, he responded. And some of you have been set free. And some of you have been redeemed. And some of all of you have been redeemed. And there are people here with different experiences. But it didn't all happen for you to stay in the dark. God did it in the dark, brought you out to be in the light. And he wants people to know what happened to you in your life. Because that's where people get direction. That day when God poured his spirit out in the middle of town at the temple in front of thousands of people. It was done intentionally in all part of God's plan so the world could see. And the scripture says that day 3,000 souls were baptized and added to the church. They didn't have social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They had no microphones, no amps. They had no LED screens. They didn't have the haze. They didn't have the eye, the lights going. They, didn't have, they had nothing. What they had was an experience. They had an anointing. They had an experience with God. There is something about experiencing God that our children need to know about, not just learn about or talked about. God saves you in the circumstances that you're in so the world will know he is able to do it for them too. If you're here and you ever got, let's just do a little test right now. If you're here this Sunday morning and God ever delivered you from alcohol addiction, will you raise your hand if God ever delivered you from, you know what? Would you be as so bold to stand to your feet if God delivered you from an addiction, alcohol or drugs or pornography or, or any kind? Look around. If God can do it for them, God can do it for you. If you're here this Sunday morning, stay standing up. If you're here this Sunday morning and God delivered you from depression or some type of an emotional imbalance or some type of suicidal tendency or some type of fear or anxiety, stand to your feet. If God can do it for them, then God can do it for you. If God ever delivered you and brought you out of a bad relationship and some heartache and some pain and abuse, will you stand to your feet because God can do it for you because God can do it for you if God ever healed your body and God ever delivered you from cancer if God ever healed your body even from the common cold it doesn't matter will you stand to your feet because God can do it for other people too now I can go on and on and on but the reason why you're here is because of an experience but that experience was never meant to be kept to yourself Turn around to somebody and tell them, you got to share what God has done. You have to share what God has done. You can be seated. There's so many things I can talk about. How God has brought you out of false religion. God brings you out of darkness. But he wants to do it to make himself known. He wants to do it. If we are going to make room for the presence of God, we have to lose the fear of what other people think.
The culture has put pressure on us so we can conform to accepting their belief and ideologies. I'm going to say it again. The culture that we are living in now, if you thought you had pressure being in high school, for those of you that are almost 50 or 40, even 30, 60, 70, it doesn't matter. If you thought you had pressure in high school, you haven't seen anything compared to the kids that are in high school right now to all of our young people. Nothing. It is absolutely different. And there is a boldness that this generation carries. There is a boldness that the enemy has on its children, seed, and followers and believers that our children need about Jesus. And I want to say this very quickly. Thank you for allowing us to, uh, to marry off our oldest son this past week. And we've got two more to go. Thank you all for allowing us to rework our schedules and services and so forth. And uh, it, meant, it meant the world. But he got married in the Austin area. So the next day, we, we, uh, we went out and we tried to spend a little time with family, meeting our new family and, and trying to connect. And, and, and it, it, Austin, when I was growing up in the 90s, in high school in the 90s, and I, I, um, there was an old saying that we had when we went to Austin, and everyone said it, it was, uh, keep Austin weird. And I was going to say they've done a very good job. <laughs> they've kept it weird, and the saying is still true. It's still there, very strong. And the day that we went there, there was, it happened to be Pride Day. Pride Day. And everywhere we went, there were T-shirts. There were people with different rainbow hair, which is cool. That's your thing. But not cool if you're going to force it on everybody, Right? Do what you want to do. Mine's staying bald. I'm just saying. <laughs> but everywhere we went, there was that, 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 that spirit of belief. You can feel it when people believe something and they're proud about it. And, they, and, and, and there was, I heard a couple of times somebody say, Happy Pride Day. And, and it provoked me personally to, to a little bit of jealousy or I can't really describe how I felt. I felt kind of like, well, I thought, why aren't we as bold about our beliefs and love for Jesus like they are about theirs? And the reason is, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you sure you're ready? If you're not ready, don't, don't say you're ready. Because I'm fixing to tell you something that should provoke both of us. Could it be 
that the people that are raising them are just as bold as they are. And could it be, just, just could it be that the reason our children aren't as bold is because the parents aren't as bold or afraid to what they believe? Because all we know how to do is convey our beliefs religiously in the sense of, well, we don't believe that, or judging somebody because of the wrong that they do. But when's the last time you said Jesus loves you or I'm praying for you or praise God, that's a great thing, or hallelujah? That sounds a little bit too weird, right? People may think you're drunk. People may think you're weird. But when's even the last time we said, we'll pray, I'm praying for you, man. Everything's going to be okay. Just the Christian attitude. Just having the Christian attitude of being out in public to convey the same sense of confidence that they have in their ideologies. Where's our passion? Where's our boldness? Where's our courage? Because in Christianity, what it really is, it's been molded into what we can't do, the rules. And that's a defensive move. The church plays defense because they're afraid of becoming tainted with the world's customs and ideologies. But that's not the way God intended it to be. In fact, when you read John chapter 17, go home and write, write that down and go home and read John 17. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said this prayer concerning his disciples. And he said, Lord, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, now I send them into the world. That people that believed in me shall believe in their words also. Speaking of his disciples. He said, I pray that you keep them. Don't take them out of the world, Lord. Just keep them from it. For Peter to stand up that day in front of everybody in defense of the hundreds and twenty that were filled with the Holy Spirit that day took a courage. Courage is not boldness absent of fear or concern. We all have fear. We all have concern. But courage is when you look fear in the face and smile and you do the right thing. What we need are parents who have a boldness to teach their children that Jesus is more powerful than any ideology, that the Bible is true, and that there is an experience that they can have. And in the homes, if we don't go after the homes, Hollywood and the music industry and the fine arts industry is going to take your children. Why do you think right now in America the biggest, how America is being converted over is through music and arts? 
Why is that? The culture is being conformed by music and the arts. Why? Would you like to know why? Raise your hand if you'd like to know why. Okay, I'll tell you why. Do you remember? There are three major angels that were at charge in heaven. Michael was the warring angel. Gabriel was the messenger angel or ministering angel. And Lucifer was the fine arts director. Guess who was kicked out of heaven into the earth? The fine arts guy. And where is hell most powerful in? In the earth. Music and arts. And what are they trying to use to convert your children? Movies and... I'm not saying don't watch movies. I'm saying watch the right ones. Or be careful. I'm not saying don't read books. I'm just saying, you know, spit out the bones. I'm not saying don't go out into the world. I'm just saying be different. Be bold. I'm not saying to go out to eat because there's a bar there. I'm saying if you can go there, pray out loud and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this food. And not be ashamed of it, right? Not be ashamed of, of even doing the simplest things. But that doesn't even make you a Christian praying out loud there. What makes you a Christian is what you do in your home. And what makes you a Christian is how you're able to go out into the world and carry what's been in your home out into the world. You know what starts revivals in churches? It's houses that are already in revival. And houses that are on fire set churches on fire. Churches don't start at, fires don't start at church. Fires start at home. And they bring it to the church. And what God is after, God is after the church, the families. God is after the families. He's after parents whose hearts will wake up to train those children. He's after parents who will come together and begin to pray together and begin to live this life and take the word of God and begin to share it and to teach it and to train up a child in the way they should go. So you'll either be one kind of parent, one or two kinds of parents or influencers in your life. You're going to be the one that's afraid of their child being picked on so you'll compromise so they can be accepted. Or you'll be the parent that will instill good values, instill the word of God, instill prayer into them so when they are picked on, they can say, I don't care. I love Jesus. <laughs> oh, trust me, I've been there before. I have been there with my boys and my girls, my, especially my boy. My boy was being bullied. I wanted to go down to the... Right? Don't even have the words. Right? Anybody else here? Am I the only one that's ever wanted to go down to the school and talk to the teacher? Or going to the playground? Like you're waiting, Right? Oh, it's 1230. Just sneak over there. Trip the little boy, whoever. Right? Anybody else feel that way? I'm just being honest. Preachers have those tendencies too. They're lying if they don't. Well, maybe. Maybe I'm lost. 
But we decided, okay, let's seek God and find out what to do. So what, this is what we decided to do. Let's pray. Let me teach him how to pray. Let's get the name of this individual. Let's pr start praying for them. And let's train him, my son, how to respond to people. And let's create a community in our home. Listen to this now. Let's create a community in our home where when they do come home, they feel strength from the family because there's love in the family. There's laughter in the family. There's an acceptance in the family. Children should never have to deal with things in the house that they deal with in the world. The house should be a strong tower, a place of strength and encouragement. And then when you can train them up and they have the confidence that you've instilled in them, it doesn't matter in their little hearts what other people think. They know they've got Jesus. They know they've got their family. They know they got their church family. This is why it's so important that we come to church to build up other people, to encourage of the people it's not about us more than it is ministering to other people it's all about watching others and their lives change and then we take it home and apply the application of the message take this home with you take this home with you today and understand one thing the where answers the why where God heals you, where God saves you, where God uses you is because he wants other people to know and see your experience because it's the only thing that validates his existence. The only thing that validates the word of God in our life is experiencing the word of God. And if you'll go home and you'll begin to live that concept out, and realize I have to pray at home. I have to create the environment in my home. If anybody ever walks into your house, it ought to, they ought to feel the peace of God. They need to feel something in their home. If you, whatever you allow into the house is a gateway to influence the rest of the home. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? So let me, show, let me share this with you. One time, my wife and I, we were looking for a rental property. And while we were looking for property, we were, you know, young, and, and, and Haley was just a baby, and it was hard to find a home for us, you know, just at our price range and what we were looking for. But finally, we found the perfect little yellow dollhouse. It was the cutest thing. My wife and I looked at it, and we go, oh, man, at that price, that's the one. But no one had been able, no one was renting it. No one wanted to take it. No one wanted it. And I kept thinking to myself, why doesn't anyone want this home? The, the, the realtor even told us we're having a very tough time trying to get people in this home. I was thinking, why? And as soon as I walked into the home, I felt this oppression. I felt this strong oppression. And I looked at my wife and said, there's a demon in this house. I felt it. And I was looking for, I know how this works, and I knew how it worked already. So I was looking for the, the, the signs. I was looking for the paraphernalia. I was looking for the thing. Was it an object? Was it a statue? Was it, was it music? Was it, was it movies? And I started walking through, looking at the house. They were showing us. It was still furniture in there and I looked at all the movies that they had and I said no there's nothing there wrong nothing what in the world and finally they say and this is my son's room and they open up the son's room and there it was 
all demonic posters, heavy metal, black, dark, and the presence was so strong in that room. And now, and then I said, that's why the parents allowed a child to bring things into his life, and it's affecting even the real estate market. You can't be mad at the child. He probably got to do whatever he wanted to do as he was growing up, and somebody else influenced him. He learned it someplace, and then he adopted it, and the parents just let it happen. And then you have this problem with, I'm sure I wasn't there, and I didn't hear anything, but I promise you I know that there were problems in that home. Hell is after our families. Hell is after your children. But hell can't have your children if it doesn't have the parents. If the parents are going to fall in love with Jesus, the children will be on fire for Jesus. And our families will change. And we'll set the tone. And whatever happens in our life, it'll bring a boldness. It'll bring a courage and a gratitude. You know what brings gratitude? You know what brings boldness and courage? Gratitude. Gratitude. That's why Peter stood up. You want to know why Peter stood up? Here's why Peter stood up. Peter stood up to redeem himself as well, but Peter was grateful that God forgave him and filled him and gave him a second chance, a third chance, probably a hundredth chance. Because he stood up that day, and he was the guy that denied Christ, cussed. He was the guy that made a big promise, cut off the ear to the high priest. He was the guy that said so many things that messed up in the eyes of everyone else when he stepped out of the boat. He made so many mistakes. But because God forgave him, he had gratitude. And because of his gratitude, he felt redeemed. And redemption gave him a boldness to stand up and say, I'm one of them and they're not drunk. I'm one of them and they're not drunk. But this is God. And this is what God can do. Have you been in a place before in your life where you felt like, okay, I, I have to, now, just be real with me, okay? Give me a nod if this is you, because I've been here before myself. When you get into a new job, and you're just a baby Christian, have you ever done this before, where you get all the new employees coming in, or you're going to school, and everyone else is cool, and you're trying to be like them, but not like them? Just enough to be accepted? It's like, I got to fit in here. Like, I got to get the friend, be friends with everybody. And then all of a sudden, here comes that strong believer that knows you and goes to church with you. And in your mind, you're thinking to yourself, oh, no. Here comes Brother Chris. He loves the Lord. He's going to start talking about church. He's going to start talking about the Bible. He's going to start saying, it's like, churchy things. trying to get a fresh start here can I tell you that people already know where you go to church and what you do and how much you love God because they can feel you if you have it you can feel people but where God saves you and what God wants to do with you is an indication of how God wants to use you. And God wants to use you to change the world. And if we're going to make room for his presence, we have to make room for him out there in the world. Not just in the home privately by ourselves. But God wants to take your experience and put you out in the middle of everyone. 
for them to see who you are and who he is and not be afraid and not succumb to the pressure of the culture to try to fit in. If you're walking the direction everyone else is walking, you're not being recognized to begin with. But if you begin to walk against the crowd, you'll stand out, I promise you, and God can use you. God does not use people who are afraid of people. God used people who have the fear of the Lord. And having the fear of God is not a religious issue. It's having a reverence and a gratitude towards the things of God where you can stand up if necessary and say, I've been saved and I've been redeemed and I know that you're going through something, but I believe that there's a better way and that there's a God who's able When's the last time we said to somebody, hey, I believe God answers prayer, and I'm going to pray for you. In fact, can I pray for you right now? I mean, that's a boldness, but that boldness comes into your life because you know God did it for you. You can see God do it for them, and God can use you and get rid of the fear. There's a freedom in that. There's a freedom in that, folks. I'm telling you, it's not boring, and it's not dull to be a Christian. I think it's the coolest thing ever to have God who you can't see respond to your prayers and open up somebody's blind eyes, unstop their ears, cast out a demon, watch them answer, watch God answer your prayers. You tell me that ain't cool. You tell me that's not awesome to know that God walks with you and God talks with you and when you say something to somebody watch God bring it to pass and you say something to somebody that what they went through last night I mean God will use you in your words whether you're in high school elementary I have seen God use children and he'll use you on the job He'll give you dreams about people. He'll give you prayers to pray for people. He'll give you the love for people. He'll give you a boldness in your spirit to make a difference in people's lives. And all I'm saying to you is, is that God saved you in the world because God wants you to show the world that he is able. Don't be afraid. People already know what you believe. Start loving them now. We've never been taught how to deal with people. And, 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 well, maybe some of you have, but I didn't. I thought if I was going to live for God and let God shine, I thought I had to tell everybody their wrongs. I thought I had to call out every bad thing. That's what religious people do. Or I thought I had to keep away from somebody to prove I was holy. That's what religious people do. Jesus. He never drank with the sinners and the drunkards, but he sat with them and talked with them. That's why he was judged. Because he wasn't afraid of being tainted, but he never compromised because the scripture says he never sinned. He never compromised. Some of us don't know how to act when we go to family reunions and everybody's I'm not going there. How are they? Now, there's a point. I understand. Now, there's. How can I say this? If there is smoke everywhere and, 
and everybody's fighting and drinking and doing all these things. I get it. You have to make a choice for your children what they need to be around. I get that. But if there's an aunt and an uncle or somebody in your life that doesn't believe just like you do, that doesn't give us the right to judge anybody. That gives you the initiative to love somebody and pray for somebody. But if you never teach your children how to reach out to people and love everybody, they're going to stay in their mind. And as, as Christians, they're going to think Christianity is about hating certain people and only being with good people. Therefore, what you just created was an isolation movement. And no one's going to win the world. No one's going to see Jesus in their life. But when you can teach your children to love everybody and a proper balance and a proper, proper approach, and help them understand, son, daughter, God saved us to make a difference in people's lives. And we have to love them. And we have to go after them. But if we're going to see a change in the world, we have to see change in our home. We have to come together. And that's the safe haven for our children right now. You can send your children to public school and teach them not to be indoctrinated. You can teach them how to be strong, how to live in the spirit, how to pray together and stay together and teach them before the teachers get to them, but they can analyze what they have. And I mean, it's your call. You do what you want to. We may all end up homeschooling our children one day. Who knows? There's nothing wrong with it. But where and what, what point do we teach our children how to live for God? We educate them as we grow in this world. Because God wants to set people free. But we may groom for his presence by exercising it in the world. Take the presence of God outside the church and outside your home and take it to work with you. Take it to school with you. Be kind. Be loving. And when the word of the Lord comes to you, if you're praying, I promise you, when the word of the Lord comes to you, it will come to you and an anointing will fall and God will make a difference in somebody's life. Come on, Haley. Come on, Haley. Here's what I want to close with right here. And I have so much more scripture. But if you can recognize in my voice and in this sermon and in this lesson right now, this is more, this, we're after something. We are fighting for your children, fighting for your families. We are trying to get you as parents to understand that the church has to begin. The fire starts at home and the parents have to begin to come together. If you're new to Riverside Church and you need direction, go through our growth track, get connected, get to serving someplace and grow with us and be consistent to church and let us teach you some things and help you with some things and provide you with resources because the answer in church is that we give you the equipment but the solution is you following it through at home coming to church once a week does not make you a christian another does it change your family but it helps you maintain and it helps you be equipped and it strengthens you and refreshes you but the real work is you creating the fire at home and that's what our families need the discipline of the presence of God in our homes. I want to pray for families right now. I want to pray for single people. I want to pray for those that are here that are hungry.
that are in the world, you're going to work tomorrow and you have to face the world. Have an excitement in your spirit about facing your coworkers and going into your environment. I tell you what I used to do. I used to get to church to, to work earlier than most of the guys sometimes. And I'd go throughout the office and I'd pray in the spirit and I'd lay my hands on their desk and my coworkers and I would lay hands on things that they would touch and I would say, Father, in the name of Jesus, bless this office today. Bless my coworkers today. Let your presence be in this house. Let your presence be in this, this department. And you want to know what happened when I left my job? My boss cried and told me, he said, Bobby, I want to thank you for being such a good employee. Anytime I asked you to do something, you didn't complain. And you said, yes, sir. And you took care of it. I want to thank you for that. The guys that I thought didn't like me, I heard later them tell someone else you know when Bobby left he took a piece with him there was a piece that we had when he was here he kept us all together and happy when he left oh, a lot of people left a lot of people argued all the time there was tension that was there it wasn't the same because when somebody who's a carrier of God's presence just by being consistent They'll take God to wherever they go, and God will reveal himself and prove himself. And we're looking for, like, the voice of God coming from the sky of the clouds. We look for lightning that falls down. We look for thunder. We look for the earthquakes. God's in the still, small voice in your life. And it's as simple as carrying the presence of God with you and loving people because they can feel something different. Oh, will you stand to your feet and pray this prayer? There's an anointing in this house. This is a call for every family. The answer is where your why is. The where answers the why. God saved us in the world so the world can see Jesus. So the world can see Jesus. Here's what the prayer is going to be. Here's the conclusion. God wants to give us a courage to face the world. A courage and a boldness and a gratitude to face the world. God didn't call you to comply and to compromise yourself and your integrity. And just because you don't do what they do doesn't mean you can't be who you are. People will love you for who you are. People love people who are loving. People love people who are considerate. People love people who have values and have convictions. And they respect people who take a stance for what they believe. No one has to make you do anything or act a certain way. But if if you'll just have Jesus in your life, you'll begin to influence other people and you'll begin to let release the Spirit of God into your atmosphere and you'll begin to see lives change and they'll start coming up to you and asking for prayer and they'll start coming to you and asking you for answers and getting direction and what does the Bible have to say? I'm telling you, we need a boldness and a courage in our life to be what God's called us to be. Will you make that your prayer right now and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, give us a boldness give us a courage anoint me anoint my house help me raise my family let me be consistent in home let me God just be one with my spouse let me be one with that God that person you called to be with me in my life let me grow with them let me begin to do the right thing let me begin God to teach my children and to teach my family not to religiously follow you but to passionately follow you out of a love God that you would change our thinking 
thinking and change our attitude that God we don't have to be religious but we must be relational right now in the name of Jesus Father let that spirit God that contagious spirit Father fall on us right now right now let it fall upon every hungry heart upon every hungry heart husband and wives hold hands together children with your parents right now in Jesus name we speak over our family in Jesus name we release this over our children in Jesus name father right now come on somebody lift your voice and break it lift your voice and break it lift your voice and break it God wants to impart something to us and he's letting your flesh get in the way don't let your flesh get tired right now just speak it out by faith and say Lord Jesus we receive a new anointing in our life an anointing and a wisdom and a mantle to raise our children to guide our homes to direct our homes father in the name of Jesus right now right now right now right now right now in Jesus name my children are set free my husband is set free my wife is set free my grandchildren are set free raise up our homes dear God raise up our homes father clean the house if there be anything in our homes God that will give hell a gateway into our family get, make us aware of it God help us to remove it right now if there's anything God in our family that is not pleasing to you dear God we pray right now father give us conviction about it help us to raise up a strong family help us to not be ashamed dear God of who we are in this world but let us love people let us pray for people let us God pursue your presence and let us God do it all for the glory and the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ in your name we pray and everybody if you believe this just give God a shout of praise and a hand clap and tell him thank you come on solidify it right now and tell him Lord I receive it with your help I'm gonna walk in it with your help I'm gonna walk this out in Jesus name how many of you know that if you have a strong family that you have brought security into your life and there's nothing you can't face are you excited to go back home and let this thing begin to resonate how many of you are going to start applying this stuff in your life say it again say God give me the courage say God give me a boldness say God anoint our homes in Jesus name we pray come on one more time give him some praise come on Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.